Hello, church. It is so good to be with you, and I want to start the morning by making you feel terribly old. Not all of you, just those of you that are about the age of, um, oh, let's say, 45 or, or older. It was 30 years ago this year that a movie came out based on a true story about a little town in Oklahoma called Elmer. In Elmer, Oklahoma, the, um, the wise people of the village had made a rule because they were only going to be godly Christian people in that town. No dancing allowed. The movie, 30 years ago, was called Footloose. It's 30 years old. <laughs> when it came out, I was thinking that would be a nice movie for the young folk. Now, uh, anyway... The hero comes and brings dancing to them, and Dean Pitchford and James Steinman wrote the music with some help by Kenny Loggins, and a couple of breakout songs came. Originally, the breakout song was called Footloose, but then the second breakout song came years later, and this doesn't get better, when Shrek 2 came out, and they, they revived holding out for a hero. Let's face it, we're always holding out for a hero, and that's why these movies take off. We're looking for a hero. That's why we pick ministers and shepherds and why we vote and why we marry and why we run to our parents when we're kids and scared and why we watch action movies or romantic comedies. We're looking for a hero. We want a hero. In the Old Testament, there was a hero who showed up repeatedly in the nick of time when you would not have expected him. And he did not act like any other being in the Old Testament. He's not known as an angel, but as the angel of the Lord. If you look in your scripture, you'll find that he shows up repeatedly. We're not going to look at all of the passages today because we just can't do that in this particular uh, section of time. But the angel of the Lord was different. Angels don't accept worship. This one did. This one, when you spoke to him, the, the narrator of the chronicle would say, you spoke to God. And when he spoke, you were told God spoke. It is my firm conviction that the angel of the Lord was Jesus, visiting us repeatedly before Bethlehem, a hero. In Genesis chapter 16, the angel of the Lord shows up for the first time by that name, Hagar, a woman abused twice. She was already a slave in Egypt and given away to Abraham, and then he tosses her out to die in the desert. Hagar looks up and sees a hero who speaks to her and gives her um, assurances, promises to be taken care of and that her children will fill the earth. Later, she would say, I have seen the God who sees me. What a hero. Oh, I can remember many times I would have liked to have had a hero like this to show up and reassure me as I'm on the path. We don't normally get this hero. He shows up again. The angel of the Lord appears to Abraham by the tent, has a meal with him. And then as he and the angels are about to leave, the other angels walk off a bit, and he stops them, and he asks them a question. He says, will I keep from Abraham what I'm about to do in Sodom? It was him. He was the one bringing the judgment. He turns to Abraham and speaks 
there's going to be a hero come, and the travelers that have been trapped in Sodom will no longer be trapped. It was the angel of the Lord who stopped Abraham from sacrificing Isaac. There are, the rabbis tell us that Abraham failed this test because he didn't argue with God. He was supposed to have argued. And if that sounds odd to you, go back and read the Old Testament. It's full of people arguing with God and God enjoying it to the point where negotiating. Abraham's done it before. 50, 40, 30, 10, you know that, that, that argument. Uh, you've got Job arguments. You've got all kinds of arguments. How about with Moses? God says, oh, I'll just kill them all and raise a new family with you. And Moses goes, what are you thinking? Says that to God. Says, no, you won't. That'll get you in trouble. And the argument goes, God enjoys it when we work with him. Kind of like when a dad wrestles with a kid. It's fun. Well, until the kid gets too big, which happened to mine way too early. I can still remember my son saying, let's wrestle, dad. And I'm going, no, somebody could get hurt. I knew who it was, but I wasn't going to name him. Um, I've known him all my life. I'm quite close to him. But it was the angel of the Lord that stopped Abraham from bringing the knife down. If this is indeed Jesus, who I believe it is, what supreme irony is it that on that mountain range would one day be built a city called Jerusalem, and outside the city would be a high place mountain where Jesus would be sacrificed and nobody would stop it. But Jesus on that range and that mountain stopped this. It's the angel of the Lord that speaks from the burning bush. You might think, no, wait a minute. The Bible says it's God. And you're right. And it also says it was the angel of the Lord because the angel of the Lord gets that title in the Old Testament. It's the angel of the Lord that confronts Balaam in Numbers chapter 22, stops him from cursing Israel. It's the angel of the Lord that appears to Gideon, who's hiding at the time, in Judges 6, one of my favorite stories, and says, Hail, mighty warrior. And Gideon's going, well, who are you, and why do you think I'm a mighty warrior? And it's the angel of the Lord that turns the battle around and gives protection to the people. It's an angel of the Lord that promised Manoah and his wife that he would have a son and gave him Samson and guided Samson all through, as long as Samson was willing to be guided. In 2 Samuel, however, one of my favorite stories, 2 Samuel 24, it's also taught in 1 Chronicles 21. So 2 Samuel 24, 1 Chronicles 21. David has failed to number, uh, has numbered the people after he failed to number the people. I'll explain. A census of the people was required by the law, and David had let it go. Didn't, didn't do it. David got to a point where he was just lazy and interested in himself and not in the kingdom or being a king. And then, when he wasn't supposed to number them, he did. And God came to him and he said, and the people went along with you, and so you've got a choice of three punishments. And they chose plague. And if you're thinking, why would you choose plague? You should have seen the other two. So God says, you're going to have plague this long. That's the sentence. You've got to get this. Almighty God said, this is the sentence. So the angel of death is released upon the people. People die by the thousands, and the angel of, the, uh, of death moves toward Jerusalem, and the angel of the Lord stops him and says, that's enough, and cancels the punishment. 
who, who can cancel a punishment coming from the throne room of God? Only Jesus. And Jesus stepped up and said, no. No. Don't you want a hero like this? This may surprise some of you, so I'm going to ask you to get your imaginations into full gear. I wasn't the biggest, toughest kid on the playground. I know, you know, I've been lifting weights, so, well, a fork. Um, <laughs> and it was miserable, especially because I went through school early. Yeah, I was one of them. I didn't choose to. I didn't want to, but I, it was chosen for me. And so I was always a li- the smallest, you know, the weeest kid. And no matter, everybody else is two stages of development ahead of me. That was painful. I wanted a hero. I didn't get one. Some of you had older brothers that would have protected you. I had older sisters. No help. <laughs> Absolutely no help, except for uh, pointing me out, saying, oh, there he is, if you'd like to head him. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> so I wanted a hero like this. Who doesn't want a hero like this? It's the angel of the Lord that appears to Elijah after the battle on Mount Carmel when Elijah's gone from hero to zero and hiding in a cave. He gives him strength, gives him a new mission, gently leads him. It was this angel that kept rain from falling on the earth for years. And then when it was appropriate time, sent rain after the curse was lifted. 1 Kings 19 through 2 Kings chapter 1. It was the angel of the Lord who approached the Syrian army one night and killed 185,000 warriors. One angel, one night. They used, used to have a, a TV series here called Touched by an Angel. I never actually saw an episode, but it always cracked me up because that's being touched by an angel right there. And I don't think they ever showed that in an episode. You know, and here, you know, we're going to solve the problem by killing 185,000 men in one night. That's a hero. One morning, you're facing extinction. You see the armies of your enemies around you. There's not a thing you can do. You're going to die at sunrise. You wake up, and you realize, I woke up. That's not what I was expecting. And you go out, and the army's dead. A hero has come. He saved Israel time and time again. 2 Kings 19, Isaiah 37, Psalm 34, Psalm 35. We could keep going. That's the kind of hero we want. We want a hero who's going to, an angel, who's going to leap into history. How many of you have not been in a class at some time in your life, in, in high school, junior high, somewhere, where the teacher was, was mocking the idea of God or Scripture or the like, and you just wanted God just to walk through the room, say, hello, walk out. Didn't have to do much. Turn the teacher into a newt. That would be nice, but not necessary. And yet, we didn't get that hero. And I read through the Old Testament sometimes, and that's what I want. I want that kind of hero. Some of you know that a lot of folk have written letters about us. They've said some harsh things about us. If you're wondering how we respond, we do. We respond. We have a standard paragraph. Your elders, your shepherds have been shelled. I've been shelled, but I'm kind of used to it. This is is painful, but our response, no matter how nasty they got, and they got nasty, is this. We thank you for your concern. 
were committed to the autonomy of each congregation of the church and to the authority of the local shepherds in each congregation. Our congregation went through years of study and prayer before arriving at our current position. We will not enter a debate with brothers and sisters, but will pray that the Spirit leads them where he wants them to be on this and every issue. Please see the attached. That's a document that you've got. We sent out a couple weeks ago. If you're interested in some of the scholarship and statements we reviewed in our time of study and prayer, may God bless you. And then we never respond again. Some people have said, Patrick, you know how to debate, all right? Let's be honest. Let's lay it out there. I know how to debate. I've never lost a debate in my life, ever. I used to teach debating, not professionally, but groups would say, teach us how to debate. And one of the things I would do is get them all ready, and I would say, now you pick what side of this, you pick the issue, and you pick what side you are, but don't tell me what side you are. I would walk in the day of the debate. They would tell me which side they were. I would take the other side, and I'd beat them. That's not a good thing because you get less interested in truth than in winning. And that's where I was. One time I had a chance to look into law school, and my wife says, no. She said, your, your Christianity will last about as long as it takes to get out the door. And she's an optimist. So I went, yes, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. My point is this. We're not going to debate because of the kind of hero we receive. We keep waiting for the angel of the Lord to come down. Take a look back at the time 2,000 years ago. The temple of Jerusalem is there. It's being remodeled extensively because it's in disrepair, but it's being worked on. But it's divided among different religious groups. And the guys in charge of the nation don't want to figure out who's, in, who's right. So they, it would be like letting the, uh, the Catholics run it for a few months and then let the, uh, the Church of Christ run it for a few months then the Jehovah's Witnesses run it for a few months. That's the way the worship was going. And the people had no, no say in it. It was all divided. Babies were being casually tossed aside by the Romans. If you had a baby you didn't want, you just threw it outside. When it died, carts would pick it up and burn it and use the ashes for fertilizer. Nobody thought second of this. When the people of God seemed to be in a headlong rush to look like the Greeks that they forgot all about God. They admired the wrong heroes. The leader of the Jews was a family-murdering man named Herod. So God sent a hero, but not the one we expected. He sent a baby. When was the last time you watched a war movie and things were getting very dire, or you're Americans, a Western where it's, it's, it's 10 minutes till the end of the movie and you know something's got to happen quick because the, the fort is surrounded. Because all Westerns are about, we're about to be attacked and then the last 10 minutes we are attacked. The last minute, oh, it wasn't that close, but we, we won. That's the way they always are. Well, you're being attacked. You never heard anybody say, oh, we're in terrible straits, send in the baby. <laughs> Ever. We wanted something else. The Pharisees wanted a powerful lawgiver like Elijah or Moses with a law in one hand and a sword in the other, reaping souls for God. 
the scribes and most, most of the, the common people wanted a, a king, a conquering hero, riding, leading armies of righteous God-fearers on horses, driving the Romans out, bringing the religious world together and making their nation great again. But God didn't give them that kind of hero. He gave them a baby. Oh, but we're not done. A baby born to a not-quite-married girl. We're going to talk about that next week. And, and, and in the annex of a guest house, a barn. That's where he sent his hero. Shepherds were told of his coming by the angels, and we don't get that. We'll even talk about, you know, hark the herald angels saying and talk about the shepherds hearing, but um, are you aware that shepherds were so looked down upon as unreliable because they didn't live in one place, they moved about, unreliable, that they weren't allowed to testify in court? God sent, let's review, a baby to a not-quite-married girl, eh, 13 to 15 years old. No girls, it doesn't mean you get to date. This is God. There you are. Anyway. <laughs> born in a barn. Okay. This, is, this isn't going well so far. It, this looks like a really bad idea. And the witnesses can't testify in court. And yet the angels were singing, This is perfect. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, he's not sending more. Peace. I want to ask you a question. Some of you are really struggling right now with sin in your life. Some of you are really struggling with pain. Some of you are really struggling with depression and, and mental illnesses of this, that, or the other, or addictions, or, or trouble with children, or trouble with parents. All right. Aren't you glad to know God's not mad at you? And that if God were to walk in here today, he wouldn't walk in with a sword. His message is peace. I've got your best at heart, goodwill toward all. If God ever had the right to storm earth with fire and anger, it was on that night, but he didn't. And that should tell us more about the character of God than a hundred sermons. He came in peace. In as gentle and non-threatening a form as absolutely possible. He sent a baby. This was a hero the sick were waiting for. The very ones that nobody else would touch, he would touch. If nobody else would get you in the healing waters, he would be the healing waters for you. With your hero, you don't need the waters anymore. This is the Lord of the Sabbath who defended those that the legalists were attacking because back then legalists attacked people. He reminded them that as the one that made the law, he was above the law and the only one who had the right to interpret that law. Remember, when you are judged, there is a higher judge and he has a higher opinion of you than earthly judges do. This is a hero who drove out demons, calmed storms, walked out into the storm to be with his friends. This is the hero who reached into death and pulled out a little girl and gave her back to her dad, a widow's son, and gave him back to her. 
and reached in to bring out a faithful friend named Lazarus. This is a hero that seeks out the people we don't even, I mean, we think we're bad, but we always say, well, I'm not as bad as that. That's the person he went to. He sought out the Samaritan, the Syrophoenician woman, women in general, anyone who needed comfort, anyone rejected by others, anyone exiled by the community. This is the one who fed the hungry, defying and breaking the very laws of physics so that a, we could see a true, powerful hero walks among us. And this is the hero when, when the time came, closed the carpenter shop, walked away, set his face toward Jerusalem and toward the cross, and took the blows without complaint, refusing to take even pain-deadening liquid. This is the hero they couldn't kill. And he came as a baby in a manger one night. That's who your God is. We think we want the God of the storm. We think we want the God of the burning bush. We think we want the God of the battle on Mount Carmel. But if that's the way God always dealt with us, none of us would survive. But he wanted us to know what he really looked like. So he sent a son, a hero that we couldn't kill, and then who smiles and says, I will be with you always, even into the end of the age. Mark, would you come back up, ready to lead us in one of our most beautiful carols? Would all of you please stand? He sent us a baby, born in a barn, to a young teen girl who wasn't officially married and who had never lived this town. God came to us in the most gentle, least threatening way possible, and he told us to do the same. And that is who we are. We thought he was just a baby. We thought our hero would be a great lawgiver, fighter, soldier, general. Instead, we got God wearing the most common name of the day, Jesus is the same name as Joshua and Jacob to them. It is as if God walks into the room, looks at you and smiles and says, just call me John, just call me Joe, who plays on the floor with your kids, eats like you, looks like you, cares for you, and assuring you this is what God looks like. This is a God who will hold our hands even at the last of our lives. And in death says, don't be afraid. I will tell the end of the story. You win. We got a hero. <laughs>